Hello, and welcome to the Original Content Podcast. I'm Anthony Ha. I'm Jordan Crook. And I'm Daryl Etherington. Every week, we review a new streaming show or movie. This week, we're going to be talking about the second season of The White Lotus. Uh, I think most people are familiar with The White Lotus, but just a quick recap. First season was uh, set on a resort in Hawaii, partly for pandemic-related reasons, but also became this incredible show about privilege and tourism. And the second season is set in Sicily. And I think the focus has shifted a little bit. The cast is almost entirely different, um, except with one very important exception. Um, But it's Mm -hmm. sort of, so in some ways, very similar, in some ways, very different. Um, I I guess, Daryl, do you want to talk about did the second season live up to your expectations? Yeah, I did. I I think in some ways I liked it more. It's hard to say for me, but I, I felt it like more. it was actually it, it was quite different. Like even though it's like similar in terms of setup and premise and everything. So, but I like this one more. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. I I really like the cast. I'm a huge Aubrey Plaza fan. Um the Italian casting director did a fantastic job. The mm-hmm, Italians agree. in the show are so good. And it's like, I don't know, you guys keep saying it's different. Like, I just don't, it doesn't feel all that different to me, to be honest. Like, it feels like a lot of similar setups. Um, And obviously, it's got a similar aesthetic with Mike White. Uh, mm-hmm. But I just felt a little bit, I think uh, season one, Maybe the reason I like season two more is because season one was really confusing to me. I think I said on the review that we did that, like, I didn't know what it was, right? Like, is it a drama? Is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? Is it everything? It's a little bit of all of it. And it left me kind of like, I don't know, with my feet not on solid ground in terms of how I was receiving it. And Mm -hmm. I feel like because of that, I was really prepared for that with season two. And I just got to, like, enjoy it for what it was. And so it was easier to digest, I guess. It, yeah, it, it is definitely, it's a mix of things that are very similar. And then um, a few key You guys are talking thematically, I guess, right? And I, or I would say the biggest difference to me is just that the, without getting into spoilers, I think the first season is just darker and like more of the storylines end in a place that you don't feel good about. And, and you're sort of, at least for me, I ended it just full of kind of despair for humanity. And this one I feel is happier for, you know, not that everything's great and, and there's some death. I mean, it just like the first season, it opens with a body being discovered or at least, a, you know, that there is a body. No one of the cast members will die. Um, but despite that, to me, this just feels like a lighter season. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's... I think it's because of the, I, I don't know, this like this, the B plots, I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, I think that's right. Maybe I, I think I, also I the feel dialogue as... was funnier in season two. I yes. don't know if you guys felt that, but the funny moments were like laugh out loud funny. I think we talked about it with the f- first one, but I just felt like the first one was a little bit more, I, I don't want to say this because it's. I don't think it's bad, but it was kind of, a bit more preachy i guess whereas this one's a bit more like yeah i don't know lighter i guess in some ways but yeah i mean i think that because the first season is about this idea of 
all these ideas about class and privilege, all of the tourist characters in some way were almost all of them were, were insufferable and, and different, you know, I think there were things that were likable and interesting and compelling about them, but it was for me, at least a, just a really stressful show to watch because it would be one scene that I found really difficult and stressful for one reason. And then we'd go to another scene and it was stressful and difficult for a completely different reason. And every hour I would just feel completely wrung out at the end. Yeah. And this one, because it's more about um, romance and, and sex and relationships, um, they don't have to hit that idea of privilege quite as hard. Um, I mean, I think it's still there. I don't think he suddenly yeah. pretends that that these class differences disappear or that money doesn't matter, but um, you're allowed to just kind of be happy or funny in a different way. Um, which, I mean, so I, in a way I enjoyed season two more, but I was more impressed by season one because it was just such an emotionally grueling experience for me. Whereas this is a pretty interesting and well done. I don't, I, I mean, I think fundamentally it's a comedy, but obviously with like very strong dramatic elements too. Right. I also have to say before we ever get into spoilers, that something that stood out to me so much in this was the, um, the like transitional shots of water and ocean and mm. just like how, magnificently they captured like thematic mm -hmm. moments in the show like i mean there was a scene where something bad was about to happen and it's kind of a cliffhanger and then you see like this wave dropping you know and it like just feels like it keeps going and it doesn't stop it just the water keeps getting lower and lower and lower and it's just that like feeling of your heart sinking right like and they that's just one of probably a hundred examples of kind of like cutting to the ocean in a moment. And that ocean feels exactly like <laughs> you feel in the moment of the show. And I just felt like it's easy in a show like this, where you're doing, um, you're on a vacation and there's a sea nearby to like, just kind of rely on it as like, and time passed or whatever. Right. But to like, so incredibly capture the emotion of the scene and mirror it was like it was just a step ahead a step above of you know just a plus plus right bonus credits whatever however i need to describe that but it was really palpable like i noticed it consistently throughout the show I was like, oh again yeah on a more shallow level i think it also just really made me want to go to sicily yeah which i did not sure. feel mm -hmm. after white lotus season one where i was you know i mean i'm you know hawaii looked beautiful but the whole experience was so harrowing this one like yeah this seems like a really beautiful place um and i think partly because covid restrictions were not as intense this time the characters were able to go out into sicily more and it's not just set uh, at the hotel yeah. um although there, I saw there was some conversation about this and I noticed it myself is that even though people do eat at restaurants other than the hotel restaurant, they still eat at the hotel restaurant way more than any. No, in Sicily I was like should. driven crazy by it. I Come was on. like breakfast. We would okay. do that. We do that at uh, um, work no. trips. On work trips. <laughs> but if we were in Sicily, <laughs> we would not go to dinner at the resort <laughs> restaurant eight out of eight nights like <laughs> it, it, he even makes a joke or he's like i don't even know why they're ha yeah i don't even know why they're handing us the menus like we 
we right. already have it memorized front and back or whatever. Like you wouldn't do that. Yeah. No, that's like, true. No. Breakfast was fine. Dinner was problematic and I was bothered by it as well. So everyone was correct in that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think that's primarily for practical reasons of just then you don't have to shoot at like 20 different restaurants for the whole season. Well, yeah. it also like allows for the pianist plot and it allows right. for a bunch of B plots to intermingle in a way that's more natural. But um, yeah. No. But it makes everyone seem insane. Like, what yeah, are you doing? <laughs> Wasting. Yeah. And then they're because they do when they go on their little excursions, you're like, you know about this. Like, why aren't you doing more of this? Right. Where it's like, right. oh, let's go stay at this villa and then like, let's go stay at uh, let's on the island or whatever. Ski. But it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, it's not, it's not, I don't, I like, there, it's not Cuba. It's not Jamaica. Like, there are places where people go where it's like, Oh you yeah, stay like on the resort. stay on the resort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's very weird. Yeah, yeah I agree with all that. But you also don't want to. So, like Italy, maybe is they've a been so many times that they outlier. don't care. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I feel like whenever I've been to Italy, I've tried to eat as many places as possible because it's just Italy and food, right? Like it's right. a particularly special thing. So that's what I think screams at it even more. But like. There are also people who overdo their vacations, in my opinion. I'm much more of a like two out of seven days we would do something fun. And then the rest of it would literally be like beach, chill, jet ski, massage, etc. Yeah. Because otherwise, why did we come all this way just to exhaust ourselves? But the food thing is hard to overlook. One of the things that's, you know, my wife, Julie, and I have taken more vacations together is that I'm much more on the like, let's chill um kind of spectrum right. end of the spectrum she's much more on like we sh if, if we have if we don't have a packed agenda why did we spend all the money to fly out here and and i think we've like found a good medium for that these people are all on like like beyond me on that end of the spectrum where they're just yeah. like great what are we doing today oh we're sitting on the beach that's what yeah, we're doing. what are we doing today is yeah. wild right like how do you not i i at least in my chill i'm like these are beach days and well, no I one like, needs to ask like me in chill. the morning what we're doing. We're going to the beach. Like it's I planned, would probably just sit the whole time. I think I would be closer to these people, honestly. I'm like I would sit a lot of the time. I just wouldn't have eaten in the restaurant. I think that's where right. the okay. key differentiation yeah. because yeah. you can still chill at the beach all day and have a reservation. My mom, when we used to go on family vacations around Christmas time to a bunch of different places, she would have like a manila file folder like this thick of all of the dinner research she had done and reservations and menus and shit like that see that's where i'm like i don't understand why you've chosen to go on vacation because that doesn't seem relaxing to me but, <laughs> but then you get the best meals every night that's fine uh, the difference between best and worst meals to me is like yeah it's almost negligible <laughs> kind of like matt burns he's like do they have nachos <laughs> i'm not like i'm not as i hope matt doesn't watch this podcast i was just about to strongly declaim i'm not as bad as matt burns. <laughs> <laughs> or just late, just did it hey is, is it thursday should we go to sushi samba again yeah right. yeah no sushi samba is pretty good i think sushi, sushi samba, samba is pretty is good of... you just only have to do it once probably yeah 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 this is great that we're recording all this content for someone who's probably not going to listen Right. And also, like, no, all of our normal listeners are like, we're still on the restaurant. Okay, so what else about White Lotus? <laughs> and Coolidge is a treasure. She's even better oh, just than she was last season. Outstanding. Outstanding. Holy shit. 
There's a I scene mean, the where whole she cast. says, I love your dilated pupils. And I rewinded yes. it and I watched it four times and I laughed out loud every single time. <laughs> it is one of my favorite Jennifer Coolidge moments of all time, including Bend and Snap and all of the goodies. But what I don't understand, what I need someone to explain to me is how much is she uh, riffing and how much like how much is she improvising? Because it seems impossible to write those lines for her to deliver in that way. They seem so innately right. her like Mike White is very talented, but I just don't understand She's how anyone could possibly get her exactly right like that, you know? Well, you know, I think there's probably one, she's the only returning cast member. So probably there's a lot of learnings from season one of her like camera still rolling, keep going with it if you want. Right. Mm -hmm. And like kind of what comes out of her mouth and what, how she is personally and the kind of jokes she makes. So you probably get better at writing for her season two um, naturally. But yeah. Yeah, I assume that she has a lot of influence, over, not a lot, but like a considerable amount of influence over her dialogue compared to the other cast members. Non-zero. Non-zero yeah. for sure. Yeah. Her storyline in many ways is the the craziest and most over the top, I think it's mm -hmm. safe to say. Yes. Um, but she makes it work. I mean, the whole... Also, there, so there's this other character, uh, Quentin, played by Tom Hollander, who comes into her story. And so good. He's mm -hmm. so good. He's I I thought he was great. Um, I think Aubrey Plaza. This is like one of her, maybe her best performance. Um, I mean, I just think the cast. Oh, the but it's an amazing list of Aubrey Plaza has a long list of Aubrey Plaza. Yeah, I, Aubrey Plaza is going to be in like thirty years. We're going to be like, oh, I loved Aubrey Plaza as the grandma or whatever. Like she's just <laughs> yeah. golden. Um, yeah, we won't have television or electricity, but we'll have our memories. <laughs> Post-apocalypse, we'll be like, remember her Oscars? <laughs> um, no, Aubrey Plaza is a gem. And I mean, there was so much. It was actually, I felt kind of miffed at social media because there was so much on social media about Aubrey Plaza and how like magnetic it was to watch her. Right. And it kind of threw me off a little bit because... While I think she was outstanding in this, I kept waiting for moments that I don't think were there because I had built a different character in my mind based on what people were saying on social media of what she was, what role she was playing, actually. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of like, there was a lot of memeing of her, right? So they were like, like here's Aubrey Plaza eating a pineapple. Right, right. And then like captions was actually would lead you to believe something. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but then, so can you guys, sorry to just like sharp left turn away from Aubrey for a sec. How, I forget how Jen Coolidge and Greg, her husband, they met in Hawaii. Yeah, they did. I forget the end of that story. I know she wanted to invest in the lady with the spa. Right. And so she hooks up with Greg. We're going to spoil season one, which I assume that if you're listening to this, you've seen season one or don't mind being spoiled. Um, that she spends most of the season, Tanya um, spends most of the season, you know, dealing with grief from her mother, wants to, you know, then puts kind of all her affection into this uh, hotel spa employee. And is like, hey, let, I'll invest in your spa. I'll like, I have all this money. And then um, ends up hooking up with Greg. And Greg is this weird mix of friendly, but also just weirdly blunt about things. Um, and, and, you know, like, 
is not like an emotional, like he seems very emotionally unavailable in some ways. Um, but then Tanya's like, oh, like I've been using my money to control people. So I cannot invest in, I can't have this codependent relationship with you where I invest in your business, but here's an envelope full of money. So I feel, so I feel better about myself and I'm going to go run off with Greg. I don't remember if they got married or, but they definitely were like getting together. Right. Mm, okay. So yeah. yeah. And then, and yeah, then I think they filled in some gaps between. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So that then, was like, like revealed at the, the very end or something. But yeah. In between season one and season two, they got married and he also was like in remission or cured in mm -hmm. some way. Yeah. And that's where we look. Okay. Interesting. Which, I mean, yeah, I think the guy, I think Greg is also just like such an interesting character because sometimes he seems kind of like reasonable and just honest. And then other times you're just like, wow, you were a terrible person. Right. I think we know how that ended up, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, we can't talk. I think we should stop talking about that plot because ah! we're going to get to spoilers. Um, what else do we want to talk about not in spoilers? I mean, we could, I think we should just visit the, the other primaries, right? Which mm -hmm. is like the duo of couples, which brought some of the most funny moments in my mind. Like it was also obviously like deeply dramatic, but there were some really funny moments with the four of them eating and the one couple being like, so uh shallow and kind of like vain and consumer driven and, and Aubrey Plaza being like you don't read the news you didn't vote <laughs> and like you're not sure just, if you voted yeah, yeah you're yeah. not sure if you voted and it, they were just so it was so um it's weird because you're watching the show and it's four insanely beautiful people living a life that just like is not my life in any way but the conversations feel so relatable mm -hmm. um and realistic and like touchable and so i think that that that's pretty great um yeah i mean i really liked the the two couples plot in yeah. general i think that's what i always wanted to come back to what i was like most hooked on yeah me too in some ways it was the least dramatic i mean towards the end some there's some plot stuff for a lot of it it's just everybody being kind of uncomfortable with each other and Aubrey Plaza in particular being like, I don't know, well, I'm hanging like, out with these people. The concept of like your public persona as a couple versus your private persona as a couple and the concept of infidelity in these new youngish marriages is pretty dramatic. I mean, like, I don't know, it, it started slow, but once we got to the crux. Yeah, that's what, what I'm getting was at. What happening is, I think, there was it was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. I think they were the slowest. It was the slowest burn of the stories, but there was like yeah. a lot of like rich, rich material there. And even before they got to the more dramatic stuff, there's just a lot of fun observational things. Like there's a scene where Aubrey Plaza has come down for breakfast and she like has her book. And she's very much yeah. just like, I like still waking up, still like entering the world, like not ready to be a person, a social person. I'm probably yet. excited about her solo book reading breakfast in Sicily. Right. right. Which is just something that I so relate to of like, usually Same. at breakfast, I do not want to be talking to people, but especially mm. when we would do tech crunch things, you would always run into a coworker at breakfast and you'd have oh, yeah. like a breakfast, which is perfectly nice. But there's a part of you that's like, I just wanted to sit and, you know, read something and, and stuff my face with a croissant. Yeah. Yeah. And they call her over and the, just like the way you see like, her face. Yeah. And that's what that's where she's so special is because it's not like, oh, oh, 
right? It's like mm-hmm. the subtlest, the fire leaves her eyes, you know, <laughs> and like, that's it. And you're just like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's lots of funny observational stuff there. And I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about that foursome without mm-hmm. um, spoilers. So then maybe the two other kind of groupings, I guess, are the three generations of DeGrazos. Right. Which was, to me, the least compelling storyline. I mean, it it had its moments, but like for the most part, it was just, I don't know, misogyny is hereditary. I don't know like what we're supposed yeah. to walk away from that with, you know, like I... I think it had some good highlights, but they were, it was like tedious to get there kind of, I think. Yeah, I agree. It was, I just, it was the least interesting thing to me. It was everything they were doing, but I do think, um, I do think they all did a good job and the, oh, who was, somebody told me they know, I forget. Oh, this was at a party that I had this weekend. So the, Guy who played into the the son, um, Al Albie, Albie went to school with somebody I know because he's Canadian. Um, but yeah, uh, and apparently it was like they were like, yeah, it's not surprising. Like the, he plays this role. I don't know much about him, but like he seems like that type of guy. Okay, well, that's but, an unreliable source. So, I don't well, know. Well, it was somebody story. who knew him well and I know school. someone who knows him who doesn't know him that well but says maybe this was a good role. Well, for went him. to all okay, of high school you. with him. Anyways. Cool. But I love this list. I sent you guys this list, this tweet. It's so good of like the character names. Nobody knows all the character names on White Lotus and then here's what they are. <laughs> Aubrey Plaza, Aubrey Plaza's husband, Theo James, Daphne, which That's Daphne is the one I didn't know. <laughs> and son, Blondie, Jennifer Coolidge, the manager, my girls. My girls were the hookers. A British guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's basically how I, think I actually of all did of know Daphne. I didn't know Theo uh-huh. James. I think of Theo James as four from the Divergence oh, series. I only think of him as Theo James, so that was very very accurate to me. And I don't remember what his name is in the show. Still, I just was thinking of. Um, I was trying to tell Danny because Danny wasn't into it. She thought it was too dark, um, and I was trying to describe the foursome to her. Uh-huh. And I was like, "There's a hot financial manager and his wife, Blondie." And then there's Aubrey Plaza and her husband's a tech bro. And so those were the like wordings I was using Mm -hmm. for everyone. Um, But then, okay. So like the, the three, the trio of DeGrazzo gentlemen leads us into one of the more compelling storylines in my mind, which is the hookers and the Italian manager of the hotel who I thought like, there's no better casting in the world. There's no better like performance of this specific role. I mean, obviously we didn't see any auditions, so I can't say that for sure, but I just felt like it was absolute perfection and talking about like a slow burn that ends up being really satisfying that Italian managers arc. Yeah. Mm. Bellissimo. It's not yeah, quite as showy good. as the manager in the first season where I think you just mm-hmm. immediately knew he was amazing, but yeah, she's she's really great. Yeah. Yeah, her kind of like the the peeling of the onion of who she is and why she is the way she is and her softening 
over time was like, I don't know. It was just really, really good. Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely want to talk more about the plot developments and also a little bit more about the kind of sexual politics of the show. So let's, let's move into spoilers. So if you have not seen the entire second season of the white Lotus and you don't want to be spoiled, you should stop listening now. Um, I mean, let's talk about, I guess the, the dead body. Let's, let's talk about, um, Jennifer storyline. It's so frustrating to me that Jennifer Coolidge ends up dead having kind of like being as dumb and naive as she is having sussed out the plot before she died and almost escaping and then fucking falling into a boat. I like read it the second she looks over the edge and sees the boat there. I'm like, this bitch is going to fall and hit her head. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's not how boats work. Cause I watched and how so is there not deck. an easier way to get yeah. on it? There's no way that they're just expecting her to well, like she was going to get on that boat eventually. Right. She, anyway. There should be a ladder that she's climbing down. There's something. Well, or it like was a docked landing. at the deck at the back and then they just moved it for the, for the plot convenience. So, well, and, and the, you know, she's at this point. So just the really quick recap is that um, presumably Greg has um, enlisted the this group of men that, that Jennifer Coolidge calls the gays and um, they, they befriend her. Well, Greg flies away. So he is an alibi. And is he in love with British dude? Are they together? It's not super clear. Because he, he does, says, I love you on the phone at one point. Yes. Wait, which was that? So Greg, when he, while he's still in Sicily, is on the phone plotting this. And she keeps oh, being like, who are yes, you talking to? Blah, that's blah, blah. right. It could and be him. And at one him. point, he says, I love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought he was just, and I, I, this is on me, I guess, but I was like, oh, he was just talking to some other woman that some we never Some woman that he loves. But home. like, then there's a picture of him. And yeah, he's yeah, in love right. with a cowboy and he's gay. So like, is Greg back with his boyfriend basically that makes more sense the way that the the british guy talks about greg i mean it's definitely it's clear that it is greg because he she finds the photo um and and clearly greg is in on this um but the british guy talks about greg as like the great lost love love of of his his life life. yeah yeah Yeah. the one that got away but that nothing ever happened between them but you can't believe anything out of any of those guys no 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 no. they're unreliable you can't but i think i mean i think the reason those scenes are there is because they are like indicating some romantic try the line yeah yeah just so that you get some sense of of where they're they're going with it um and why they're doing it but yeah it's not super clear if they're romantically involved clearly they're in on this plot together um which culminates in um, Jennifer Coolidge uh, being uh, taken onto this boat with this guy who actually had sex with her the night before, but now they're just going to take this like little boat together to the shore. On that trip, she will be murdered, you know, probably thrown overboard, and and they'll claim it. You know, she just fell off the boat and drowned. Um, instead, oh, we don't know what would have happened. Who knows? Who knows? But she she manages to get a hold of the gun. And he had a gun and rope <laughs> and shit. So it was just coincidental. And uh, and they never. Tape make it express <laughs> she gets a hold of the gun and she kills almost everyone except for a few people who basically just run off the boat and then like the captain he gets away i think captain gets away and the curly haired tutti homo gets away tutti homo tutti ho. tutti so gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean every every gay. scene is so good <laughs> um 
Did you okay? So right, because I think the the scene where she's trying to, she says to the captain like, "These gays are trying to kill me," yeah. and then he says, "I'm gay, I'm gay." Um, I assume that basically is he's like, it's a way of him being like, "Oh, I'm in on it." Like, yeah, I'm. I'm I, also I don't know. That very at all. Very I think it was literally that he didn't speak English, and the <laughs> only word he caught was "gay," and was like, "Gay, yes, we're all gay. <laughs> yeah. Gay is good." I think it yeah. could go either way. Yeah, I think it. I don't think uh, he was in on it. I think he was. I mean, maybe like in on it insofar as these guys do shady things and they've done shady things on my boat before and they could do shady things again, but not like I have full knowledge of this plot. I think even right? if he does have that, I don't think he was admitting that in that moment. He was just like misunderstanding her. Yeah. Mm, say. Yeah. yeah. So she... I think at that point could have just stayed on the boat or like taken her time to like pull the smaller boat to where it needs to be. So she climbed the ladder down, but I understand that she is in that moment panicking or taking her heels off. That was like one thought that came to mind. She's like climbing up and she has these like seven inch, you know, like stripper shoes on. And I was just like, you should take those off if you're going to make it. But she falls, bangs her head and drowns. But Which is the a, saddest and most frustrating part because it's a blessing the, for her. The thing yeah. I want more than her to win is for Greg to lose. That's true. And yeah. it basically confirms his win. He gets what he wants. Out Although, of it, yeah. I mean, I think at that point, then there's a lot of questions because, um, you know, all these other guys, it, like there's a well, chance and that Portia knows, right? Or like Portia at least has enough information. I don't to think be like, Portia's hey, going to. Do anything Stand up for Tanya. This. I think she's just going to be like, cool, I got she out of this. <laughs> okay, so I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like authorities of a half a billion dollar fortune, the assistant who went on vacation with her, like the U.S. authorities would probably come. That's true. Somebody might have questions. <laughs> in a... You sure hope they would. So Portia being the uh, Tanya's assistant who is distracted most of this time by Jack the young British quote-unquote nephew and 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 then at the end um I mean and their scenes are really great towards the end because she keeps being like hey what the hell is going on I need to get back to Tanya that's my job and and he keeps like pretending like oh it's fine it's totally fine she's like where's my phone he's like I don't know you'll find it and and then it just kind of becomes clear that he's like keeping them separate and there's a part where she basically is just like Hey, like, oh, he's your uncle. Like, why are you fucking your uncle then? Uh-huh. And then at that point, he just sort of like the air goes out of him, and he, he doesn't quite say what's going on, but he's just like, just, just let me do my job. Let me right. do my job. It was also really, I like get so stressed out because like it's just such poor decision making on her part to mm. do that in the car with him. I, I mean, it like could have gone very hours away you... from where she needed to go. Like yeah. you don't when you know, when you, especially like with, with women's intuition, when you know something's off, the last thing you do is say like, hey, are you going to hurt me? Because then they're like, oh, well, if you know, I might as well fucking right. hurt you. You know what I mean? Right. Don't get in the car then. You say like, I have to pee. I'm going to go pee and yeah. then find a phone and get yourself out of there right but i think to their credit they seem to want it to be 
as clean as possible so they didn't want to like oh well now we got to kill two people like i think that was mostly what was going on but yeah but portia didn't know that is my point right yeah portia yeah. didn't know what was going on also i think that guy did genuinely like her and all he, like he hints at a very sad story for himself but you don't really get any more of it except like it seems yeah, like he probably was deeply in debt whatever the fuck the he mob. was doing yeah. yeah but it is i mean again i don't think you're supposed to sympathize with them but but you're supposed to understand that he's not going to be like motivated to hurt her. Or right. Whatever. Well, and also just like, cause so I was like spoiled for the ending going for, but before I started it and like, you can definitely just see like there are that all the people who are in on this conspiracy are, are genuinely like bothered by what they're going to do. And that's why like some people are staying behind because they're just like, oh my God, I right. can't go. Yeah, some and, people like, are upset. Yeah, yeah, that's right. true. And, right. and to be clear, that's not saying, oh, like for them, like. Wait, who stayed behind? One of the, the his crew. Oh, um, yeah. Quentin's yeah. crew. And you can see, and she's like, oh, he's crying. Why is he crying? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So it's it's like you can see that, like, they're doing something horrible, but they're still human beings. Like, but they're still going to go through with it. Like, it doesn't stop them from doing this horrible thing. It's frustrating to me that, like, I don't know. Obviously, Jennifer Coolidge's character is supposed to be kind of, like, lost all the time. But it's just like frustrating because I feel like if you just got to know better, you got to know better when you're at like some hotel like that. And some guy is just like, oh, come spend the next 72 hours with me randomly for no reason. Right. Like you got to well, She know did better. figure it out, though, like that to her credit. Right. Yeah. And but like way too late. Like. Yeah. But I think the part of it is I mean, I think this is true of travel in general, but especially in a place like Italy is that's almost the experience you dream of having is that you, whether it's romantic or otherwise of, Oh, you just make this new connection and then you get swept away on this adventure. And so that's how they get you. That's why taken is like a multi-movie franchise. Mm. Cause that shit happens. We just keep following. They, it. yeah, they like prey on that. They're like, Oh, you know, not, I'm not saying like Italians are evil or anything. I'm just saying like in Europe in particular, they're, they're, People Europeans are evil. Right. It's all of Europe. Is That's why the hostel it. movies also very successful. <laughs> <laughs> and that one, <laughs> South America is evil. I base it all on the movies that are available to me. <laughs> no, hostel doesn't hostel take place in Europe? I have no idea where it takes place. Actually. Yeah, one of them does for sure. All right, okay. I've only seen bits and pieces because it's too gory for me, even for me. So I can't watch gory. that. That is like even just the concept of it. I'm like, no, that's not for me. I can't even stay. Think of the concept of a hostel, not just a movie. I don't <laughs> right. want to go to a hostel. That's true. I've never stayed at one. I don't have any. Even when I was like really poor and living in London, so. my roommates were like, do you want to go to a hostel? I was like, nope, I'll stay right here. <laughs> I think that I understand why Mike White felt like Tanya had to die at the end of this storyline. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And in some ways it just felt like he didn't necessarily have more story for her for like a third season and, and like, great, like have her kind of go out in a blaze of glory, but it did, it did also feel very like silly. I mean, he said that it was like intentionally derpy, which, which it certainly was. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little torn. I, 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 I think I felt it, I like it was good. Yeah. It was, it was good other than you could see it from like a mile away. And I think that that was frustrating. Like, yeah, there should have been somehow in the way that it was shot, there should have been some hope as she's trying to get off that boat 
that she could have actually gotten down to that boat, but it was like set in stone the moment she looked over the rail. Yeah. I was like, she's going to fall and hit her head. There's no other way that things happen. That's, I don't, I think at that point, it's okay to like do that. It's a little bit more tragic to do that, but like, I don't know. Cause you're, you're like, oh, you're aware, know. you're watching and you know it's coming. And it's like, oh God, I would have rather it been ripped away from me, shockingly, yeah. I think, but. It's hard to tell once you've experienced one and not the other, but. And and the way they, they shot that scene before she dies, when she's just like going through the boat, shooting people is mm. so good. Cause it's not very good showing her, like the people she's shooting, except in like the corner of her eye, it's all on her face. And so like what could have been this very, I mean, and is in many ways, this sort of ridiculous over the top scene um like you are there in her headspace you're just as scared and frightened as she is and i mean as as she is through the whole series jennifer coolidge is just amazing in that scene Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i was watching it after danny fell asleep last night and the scene where she comes out of the cabin and and shooting danny was like dead asleep and i had it down at like the volume was like at six it like couldn't have woken her up but for some reason it did just like the energy of the scene and she was like stop turn it off turn it off because it was just her like crying in a close-up, just like firing a gun. She's like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but. Well, let's talk about some of the other storylines and how they wrap up. Um, so there's the two couples um, and, you know, they sort of trade off where Aubrey Plaza for a little while is kind of convinced that her husband, Ethan, has cheated on her during their night away, during, you know, her night away with with the other wife. Um, and then he becomes convinced that he uh that she slept with or at least was you know doing something with with theo james um basically to get back at him and then he has well first he has like a big fight with with theo james and then has this conversation with uh daphne um theo james's wife and uh she basically was like yeah you just got to do like whatever you need to do to make you feel comfortable with it so they she's very that several times throughout <laughs> the show. She's a very interesting character. Oh yeah, absolutely. She seems like somebody who, in a lot of ways, is the one who appears dumb at first, but then she's I think running is, the shit is yeah. set up as basically the person who knows exactly what's going on, knows exactly what she needs to do to live the life that she wants. So they kind of go off, and it's very strongly implied that they had sex or something. And then, but actually, that like then seems to make things better between Ethan and Harper. And and they, yeah, right. good like, lesson for all of yeah. us out there. Yeah, they both are all fine. After when in that. doubt, just go fuck about. Yeah, <laughs> well, because definitely, and this is like uh, another question that came up when I was talking to other people about this. Like, people were like, "Do you think Avery Plaza did it?" And I was like, "Yes, of course she did. Like, of course she did. I don't have no doubt that she did before that too." She but other people were like. No, did she? Yeah, she admitted it. I mean, no, she admitted, she admitted that to she something. Yeah, like a lesser crime, but I think she did the whole damn deed, and that's why the uh, I like Ethan. I'm like, oh yeah, your tell was the tell, right? Like, you do not reach a level of comfort with someone you absolutely despise to be able to be like, you're an, you're idiot, an idiot or whatever. Idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was great, and then they were just like, cool, like, yeah, and it reignited all of their passions and yeah happily ever after basically so i love though that like (laughs) what is his name um four what theo james yeah or his character's name is cameron (laughs) cameron 
Um, Old teeth caps, <laughs> as I call them. He, teeth caps, you're so cruel. <laughs> um, well, okay, a couple things on him. One, he like thinks that he knows what's up and that he's like running the show all the time, which is just such a beautifully cringe character to have on screen at any, mm -hmm. any given time because like everyone around him is smarter than him. The hookers are like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> And he thinks he knows what's up, which is delightful. And then the scene where Daphne shows Aubrey Plaza the picture of her trainer. Oh, right. Yeah. And it's actually her blonde haired, blue eyed son. Yeah. Yeah. That was good, too. It was yeah. so good. She's like, I cuckolded this motherfucker. Like, yeah. I'm I'm I forget so her lines on that, but they were also excellent, too. She was like, I see this trainer a lot. I sometimes see him more than Cameron. Cameron travels a lot and he's yeah. got this beautiful blonde hair. And these big blue eyes. He's so handsome. Do you want to see a pic? And <laughs> she shows the pic of her sons. And Aubrey's like, no, that's just a picture of your kids. And she yeah. goes, oh, is it? Oh, oops. Yeah, oops. right. Yeah. I'll show you later. <laughs> I didn't understand that scene until you just explained it. Oh, that no, totally it went over my head. I was like, what is the... I mean, I was like, I assume it wasn't accidental, but I don't know what she was trying to communicate. She was trying to say, just do you, baby girl. Like, these boys yeah. don't know what the fuck's up or down. Just live your life. Enjoy. It doesn't yeah. matter, you know? And I don't know. So that was really awesome. And then but also, like, we... Don't we there's no consequences for him, too. Which is also great. And then, because he's like, I don't think well, he she's cares. She's fine with his with his consequences being in her head. Yeah. And I also don't think that it's fair to say there's no consequences for him. Because when the moment arises, when she wants him to have consequences, she's got like a file. Right, them. that's true. Right. I just don't know if he has a level of depth that would allow him to like feel those consequences. But I think what's interesting to me about his character is like, he's he's like, you know, it's pretty reprehensible throughout, but then you're like, he does pay the prostitutes, like the full amount owed right. them, which you absolutely did not think he was going to do before he did. Oh, that. I thought he was going to do. Oh, okay. I thought he was always going to do it. I just think that he is, like you said, he's just like unfamiliar with consequences and is just used mm -hmm. to kind of like on his own time, in his own way, everything that he does. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like she says it perfectly. She's like the guys he works with are like monsters. He's naughty. Right. Like he's right. like a little boy who's naughty. Yeah. And so she, that's why she Daphne is so interesting because she's like specifically selected this naughty boy. She's like, you're going to fuck up. I'm going to do what I want. We're going to have this dynamic and I'm right. going to know what's going on. I'm mom. I know what's going on all the time. Right. right. Like, yeah. And you think you're getting away with stuff. And I'm actually just getting every single thing I want all the time. That's true. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think the other thing about that is that you're supposed to, you know, in a lot of ways, Cameron and Daphne are just, you're, you're meant to see Ethan and Harper as like the much, like the better couple, like they're smarter, they're more politically engaged. Right. Um, they have this like very honest and open relationship with each other. Um, and then it, by the end, the sort of the tables have turned and you kind of are like, oh, actually, it seems like. Oh, I still think they're the better couple. Uh, yeah, I think in some ways, but in some ways, it seems like Cameron and Daphne have like the better relationship and that they had to learn something from them to like get their relationship into a good place again. Well, I I think that the Cameron and Daphne are not a marriage of equals in any way. Mm. So it works based on their inequality. 
Like he is a little boy and she is running the show and she's comfortable with that. And he's comfortable with that. So yes, it works. It's like a functioning thing, but it's not a marriage of equals. Whereas like Ethan and Aubrey Plaza have a marriage of equals. So when there's any imbalance in the force, it's more catastrophic, but their ultimate end result is like much more aspirational in my mind. Right. I mean, I think in life, I think that's true that I want my relationship to be much closer to Ethan and Harper's relationship. Um, I mean, one of the things they talk about a lot is this idea of um, that they need to have, that it's okay to have mystery and that like you Mm -hmm. you don't actually ever fully know somebody else. And instead of like just trying to, to like tear those walls down and be like totally the same person, accept that sort of separateness and that unknowableness and become yeah. comfortable with it. Good lesson. And that I thought was like very interesting, even if, yeah, I find, I mean, obviously Cameron in particular is just despicable. Yeah. Well, and he also is like not smart enough to even understand that concept. Right. Like <laughs> right. again, Daphne's doing a lot of the heavy lifting there, but I think uh, <laughs> there's the scene after um, she finds out about the Molly and the hookers, Aubrey Plaza, and she's like questioning she's like oh they were hookers and there was molly and like her i forget the actual dialogue but it's really funny like the way that she yeah explains it and talks about it with him and then the whole day after when she's getting drunk with wine and basically like <laughs> slowly laying down the cable to light the fuse of the ultimate destruction of everything was just so perfect like just getting drunker and drunker and like, have you guys ever had a threesome? Oh yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Never yeah. had sex with the same person. Um, Really, really good. Yeah, I mean, I have a hard stop in two minutes. You guys can keep going. I think my closing thoughts are that the, I'm, I'm obsessed with the Italian hotel manager. I just think that like her whole, I was like, why is she such a bitch and hate everyone? And then you find out she's in love with that one chick. And then the hooker kind of brings it out of her Mm -hmm. sex worker. We probably shouldn't be saying hooker just like so flippantly. Um, Yeah. Yeah. The sex worker kind of like gives her a happy birthday present. Also, like, I didn't think of that Italian manager as hot, but she's pretty hot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just a really good arc for that character. And I just don't want it to fly too far under the radar with all of the big names and stuff. Yeah, agreed. I, yeah, I think that was like super entertaining. She was very funny as well. Had some of the funniest lines in the show. So yeah, I thought that was great. And you were going to bring up the huge dick prosthetic, which was also oh, very, yeah. very Can nice. Can we do that for funny. my last minute? So yeah. there's <laughs> drama around that because Four said he didn't want to use the prosthetic because they brought him ones that were too big. Mm-hmm. And so it's him. That's what he said, right? In the news. No. What? No, 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 no. He didn't say that. Exactly. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. What? Did, go find what he said. So you guys have to finish this and clarify this. You guys confirm on this episode. I have to go. But what my understanding, my understanding, seriously, I got to finish this, was that he said he didn't want to use the prosthetics because they were laughably big. And then Aubrey Plaza came out later and said he did use the biggest prosthetic. Right. You know, he did use the big one. Yeah, I'm just looking at it too. It's it's true. He used a big one. He thought it was ridiculous, but then he did use a big one. So, but he did use it. But he yeah. didn't say that he didn't use it. He didn't say that's my dick. Not that I can find. Okay, yeah. good. 
because I was about to feel differently about old teeth caps. Um, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go, but you guys are the best and whatever. See you. Right. Happy See you holidays later. and all of Happy those holidays. things. Bye bye. Okay. All right. Well, I don't know that we have to talk. There's too much more that I want to say, but no. I do think like one thing that's worth kind of drawing out a little bit more is that I do think there's like this thread in the whole season that about this idea of like, oh, this is what we're supposed to think about sex. And that, you know, like it's it's sort of close to kind of what Albie, um, I mean, some of the stuff he says is just stupid. He's like, oh, like women don't want nice guys and things like that. But yeah, like, yeah. Um, you know, that, that we're supposed to have these sort of progressive ideas about, you know, how men should behave and, um, and we're not supposed to sort of let sex kind of like lead it, like drive our lives and it shouldn't be transactional. Um, and it seems like part of what this, this, this season is about is this idea that actually we, maybe we should also just be more honest about sex and that in a lot of ways, we're just sort of dumb, you know, sex driven creatures and, and that it's, and that also it can be very transactional. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I agree with that. I mean, I don't think, I think you're saying Albie is not to be emulated, right? Like his right, right, exactly. And there's yeah, like yeah, specifically yeah. like um, scenes where he's just like being. Well, there's a couple scenes where he's being just very respectful of like, "Hey, is it okay if I kiss you now?" Do, yeah, you know, and and like in a way that's clearly implied to be kind of a turn off for her. Right. Um, and then also there's like the, the, the speech that he gives when they're talking about the Godfather, and it's like, oh, like you just like trained to think this is like what your masculine fantasy is, but it's not like hardwired just because we've all watched the fucking Godfather and movies like it. Um, all things that I basically agree with and think are how people yep. should behave, how, you know, heterosexual men should behave towards women and what they should believe about masculinity. But um, in a lot, I think, yeah, that this in the, in the show, he's sort of positioned as like wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's right. But I think it, yeah, it is like, I guess the main work of the show is to present all these different attitudes and approaches to sex. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe with the exception of the Tanya storyline, but the, the, like him, he's one extreme. And then you have like his parents or his, his father and his grandfather are like generationally like different versions, I guess, or whatever. Like he's a reactionary to what they came from, but they're on a more of a continuum, right? Like, Oh, in the grandfather's age, like you had kind of what Cameron and Daphne have, but it was not acknowledged at all. And it's very one-sided. Right. And then you had the dad and it was like, it, it was not, it was happening still, but then it wasn't like permitted or excused. And then you have like the, the Cameron Daphne thing, which is like, I guess, yeah, like they're not, not acknowledged, but permitted on both sides or egalitarian. And then, yeah, there's, there's this other thing, which is like, maybe the ideal is like something like that, but without, um, with more transparency and communication or whatever, but no one really represents that perspective. It's just kind of like left to be drawn in through, absences and it's also like not i don't think the show is saying like there's any one right way but i think it is pointing out a lot of the hypocrisy of some of the existing ways basically or whatever right or some ones it does portray yeah yeah i I think that's right and i mean definitely mike white has talked in some interviews also about just his general suspicion of monogamy and right um that he's like hey i'm not saying that like no one should be monogamous or that people shouldn't care about love we all care about sex and love it's just that 
try not to make it completely crazy as make you completely crazy as it does for some of the people here. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, it's in some ways it feels a little bit kind of conservative and reactionary in terms of like what the sexual politics are, but I think it's complex enough that, that it's, it's not really that it's just, there's a lot of different perspectives and, and a suspicion of people who think of themselves maybe as more enlightened, but, but not, are not necessarily that in, in their hearts. Yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he, it's the, like my favorite part about it is how sophisticated the portrayal of all of their various relationships are. And there's not like a stern judgment, I think, on any of them, right? Like he even gives the dad a path to redemption. And yeah, the Theo James thing is like, works out in the way that it's intended, where it's like, oh, it's transactional and she's satisfied with the result too, right? Because she gets the money afterwards. And, uh, their ending was was great. I mean, her her whole story of scamming Albie too is like also probably <laughs> maybe the most important takeaway of the whole thing, right? Of like, yeah, if you have this sort of really ridiculous, um, I don't know, uh, kind of like neoconservative almost view on it, it's like so far, I guess, left wing, liberal, whatever, that it's like, almost conservative again but it's yeah um but yeah he ends up just getting taken for a ride right which is hilarious but also yeah. like generationally i think similar right it's just like oh he's following in the line of his uh, parents and footsteps or whatever right but yeah. right and well and then there's that amazing shot where um uh, they're at the airport the three generations of the degrasso men and like a, a beautiful woman walks by and they yes. three stare at her at the same time in this way that you think Albie at least would not have been comfortable doing with doing at the beginning of the trip. Right. Right. I think he would have been either way. I think that's, I don't think that's a change. I think that's just like, okay. That's just illustrating the commonality. Yeah. 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 Like despite all the gloss and whatever else he puts on top. Right. Of it, that makes like, sense too. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It was good. It's very good. Very funny. Very clever. Um, oh, amazing use of soundtrack and, uh, b-roll like we talked about sort of like transitional scenes and yeah just really nice all right well if you have seen the second season of the white lotus and you have your own thoughts to share shoot us an email original content pod at gmail.com that's original content pod at gmail.com we're also on twitter at original content and we always appreciate it when you subscribe and leave us a positive review in apple Podcasts or the podcast app of your choosing daryl i'll talk to you soon bye-bye